everyone for today's episode i have with me a person that i know who's very well read um she's a professional in the field of education and i have had the privilege of taking almost four courses from her so miss tala thank you so much for coming thank you for inviting me miss you are one of the most well read person i know i know that your library your home library consists of almost like 400 books i'm guessing uh uh thank you for asking this question because um i must say that i have a kind of passion yeah for reading i enjoy it i don't yeah. read it because i have to read it i yeah. read it because i enjoy doing so and like you've accumulated this collection over the years uh that's right mm. uh books are like friends for me and i've lost some of those friends <laughs> i had a very big collection but somehow when i look for a certain book and if i can't find it then i feel sad because it's yeah. like losing a friend no because they're precious to you so you feel that loss exactly yeah yeah you told us uh, in one of our classes that you gave out these uh, books to some of the students and like you never got them back or something like that happened uh friends and students both and at least this gives me a kind of satisfaction that other people also love books but this is how they get their yeah. you know share i i can understand yeah no but still like th- that doesn't make it right though but <laughs> i mean yeah you're at, at least you can be at content uh Uh, you can be content with the fact that somebody out there is reading and enjoying those <laughs> books of yours so miss tell me how did you like start reading and how do you get into it like was it something a hobby uh, from like your childhood uh that's right uh, the schools i went to uh they were you know literally convincing young people children uh forcing them <laughs> to read books there was a very good school library we used to go every week for an hour we sat there and after that we took a book home and sometimes not always sometimes our teachers used to discuss those books in class they they used to ask us which book did you take last week what did you get from it so uh, gradually you know first children maybe some children resented but i loved it from the beginning and i think that's how i developed love of books that is exactly what happened with me as well yes. like we used to have a particular period for li- uh, that would that would be library period and mm. we would go to the library like our whole class and we would we were allowed to read there and then if we wanted to take that book or any other book back mm. with us home then we were allowed to and it was like for a week we could borrow those books yes yeah for a week yeah and that is also how i got into reading yes. and how and i remember i used to like finish all those books that i used to borrow like within a day or two yes yeah. you have a good reading speed yeah and then i used to be bored like what else am i supposed to do now <laughs> i'm done with this i need more books so uh miss like of course i know that you teach and you are doing research papers like you're working on a lot of papers mm-hmm. you consult with other uh teachers as well other professors so how do you make time amongst all of that and doing all of that for reading not just for a uh, work wise or like for education mm-hmm. purposes for pleasure as well i think 
you know, you don't have, you don't get time to read. You have to take out time to read. And uh, these days, I must admit, most of my readings are related to my research projects. But these days, I'm not reading much of literature. I'm not reading things which are not directly related to my research work. But yes, I started off with literature. I started off with general knowledge books. But now these days, especially for the last six months, I'm more into my research project. Uh, what do they entail? Like, what are you reading for those? Well, these days I'm reading a book on CPEC. Mm -hmm. I got it from the internet. I downloaded it. <laughs> yeah, my favorite way to read books. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the books I'm reading, the non-related research books that I'm reading, one is called uh, Why Nations Failed. It's very interesting. It's very informative. The writers are Darren Asimoglu. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether I'm pronouncing yeah. it correctly. And James okay. Robinson. Mm -hmm. uh, this book was really an eye-opener. Mm -hmm. It tells us how some nations become developed and their pace of development is faster, mm -hmm. whereas other nations... Take their time. Do, yes, and uh, they don't uh, gain prosperity. They don't gain development. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come very easily to them. So this book taught me that. And then I, I'm currently reading another book also, uh, which is also interesting. This is called Why the West Rules for Now. Ooh. And this is Ayn Morris. Actually, he's put up a Morris theorem. Oh, really? Yes, but I wasn't convinced by Morris theorem. Yeah. But it teaches us to look at things in a different way. What he's trying to say is that uh, there are three factors. Uh, the three factors are geography, uh, sociology, and uh, geography, sociology, and biology. Mm -hmm. uh, all three work together, and that's how nations become developed, militarily powerful, prosperous, and then they dominate the world. Mm -hmm. uh, biologically, it was said that some people misuse this idea. They used to say that white race is more intelligent. You know, very racist type yeah. of explanations. But if you look at history, you'll find that white uh, races have had their ups. They've also had their downs. There was a time when Muslim civilization was a dominant civilization. Mm. There were so many scholars. Yeah. So that doesn't explain the phenomenon. Then does that uh, sociology, how societies develop? What is the role of geography in it? So from this point of view, it's interesting. Uh, I think what actually leads to prosperity, all these arguments so far I've not finished. Maybe in the end I might be convinced. But... There are certain terminologies which 
this author has used Morris. And he says, for example, for great people in history, he uses the term abnormal. Oh. Instead of using extraordinary. You know, they were great. Yeah. Naturally, they were not normal like us. Yeah, he changed those yes. connotations of the word, how it's yeah. perceived. Yeah. It sounds a bit derogatory yeah. to call a great person abnormal. Uh, how do you define normal? Normal are people who are ordinary, average. They are extraordinary, I think. Yeah. So I differed with terminologies, but that always happens. When you read a book, you don't agree with everything. No, of course, you read to like get a gain on different perspectives and mm. what other people are thinking and what their take is on different areas and topics as well. Exactly. Yeah. You also told us in class that you are also reading a, currently a book called Neocons. Yes, yeah. uh, that I'm uh, reading to teach for my, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, some of the books which I read are for my lectures. Mm. Some of the books are for the paper, research paper or book I'm working on. And some are just for uh, information. For example, I came across a very interesting book. It's called Killing Hope. And it's written by William Blum. And I'm very lucky, I think, because I have a book signed by William Blum. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, he's a, an ex-CIA man. So he's written this book about CIA activities all over the world. And this is coming from horse's mouth. This is coming mm -hmm. straight from a CIA person. Mm -hmm. um, in this, what he has tried to say is that, you know, there are I don't know. I think there are 40 cases which he's discussed. Um, I found the one on Iran very informative. Iran, CIA intervention in 1953. Iraq, CIA intervention in 1991. Uh, CIA went to set the stage for the war against Iraq. So... You know, there are so many cases from Central America, Latin America, Middle, Middle East, East yes. Africa, Far East. Also, I think South Asia as well. South Asia. I was looking for South Asia. They've not mentioned anything. Oh, really? That does That's not surprising. mean that CIA is not active mm, here. Not at all. It just means that uh, maybe we can look forward to another book on this subject. <laughs> I hope so. Do you think he received any sort of backlash from writing that book? Uh, I don't know uh, whether, you know, I don't think action uh, was taken against him because the cat was already out of the bag. Mm -hmm. They would have liked to stop him before he wrote this book. But after he wrote it, taking action against him would have further exposed them. So I think they did not. He went to U.S. universities. He signed these books. He launched his book. Uh, I think uh, they, they played a clever game. They did not want to take action against him once he had already launched it. But I'm sure that they would have liked to stop the launching of this. Mm. It's really an eye-opener. He says that uh, third world countries want to 
you know, achieve prosperity. They want to take policy initiatives. But the CIA stops them if those initiatives are not in U.S. interest. Mm -hmm. Their criteria is whether a thing is going to harm the U.S. or United States economic interests or... And harm can be interpreted in any way. Mm -hmm. Anything that is going to reduce the economic uh, dominance mm -hmm. of United States can be counted as a harm. And people who are trying to take that step would be uh, eliminated or uh, thrown out of power. For example, uh, it's come out, it's in the media now, that Gaddafi, when he was president of Libya, he wanted to start a new currency, yeah. an all-African currency. Yeah, yeah. And he said that African countries should not use dollar in their yeah, trade. I read that. Yeah. So he lost power. And uh, I have not read a book saying that CIA was active there. But after reading this book, I'm tuned to believe this. Yeah. Uh, Saddam Hussein wanted to replace the currency in the Middle East, have one currency for Middle East, and he wanted it to be gold-based, not dollar-based. Yeah. He's gone out of power. <laughs> so he says that whenever there is some hope... And something that doesn't really align with U.S. policies... Yes, then it doesn't work out yeah. uh, in most cases. In some cases, it might still work out. Yeah. So, Miss, like you said, that you read, sometimes you read for lectures, for preparing them and for research and sometimes just for your own information and pleasure. Yeah. Do you think uh, there's a difference in you reading books, like when you're reading them for lectures and when you're reading them for research, compared with uh, when you're reading for your own enjoyment? Actually, now I enjoy all my readings, even the ones I do for my lectures, uh, even the ones I'm doing for my research. I'm enjoying all of it. I, I, I think that they're right when they say that books are your best friend. They are. You don't feel, even if you are alone in the house, you don't feel alone. You feel that, you know, you're very much in the middle of company. Yeah. So was nonfiction always something that you gravitated towards or did you start with reading fiction as well or do you still do? Uh, now I don't get too much time to read fiction or uh, literature. But when I was in school, Jane Eyre mm. and almost all the uh, classics, uh, I read Charles Dickens mm. with mm. a lot of care and we used to enjoy it. Actually, uh, in our school, they had a very good system. People who taught, there were four sections, three, four sections. Uh, and if a person topped in all the three, four sections, they used to give them a gift. And the gifts were always in the form of books. So once I topped in those three sections in English, once in Urdu, and every time I got a very good book, I got Tale of Two Cities. I got uh, another book in Urdu. It was called Kuch uh, Afsane. And it was not actually Afsane. It was about 
important places in Pakistan, and they trace their history also. How did the city come into being? The historical stages the city passed through. I enjoyed reading it. That's actually such a nice way to encourage reading by giving kids presents and exactly. encouraging them to perform as well and to make mm-hmm. them read as well at the same time. I think I had a kind of interest in languages. I also taught in Arabic language, but uh, I studied Arabic for three years, but this used to stress grammar mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Uh, I wish I can do another course where spoken Arabic is the main focus. I studied Arabic as well, I think from sixth grade to like eighth grade. Yeah, I did. It was the same with me, six to eight. Yeah, I don't remember any of it though. (laughs) I don't know what I studied. Grammar and all that, unless you continue with it. But Mm -hmm. spoken Arabic is different. I Mm -hmm. used to get so many students when I was teaching in KU. We had so many students from Arab countries and they used to say, come on, you told us you studied Arabic. Speak in Arabic with us. And then I had to admit that I can't speak. So, Miss, is there like a particular genre or a type of synopsis that you're more inclined towards reading or when you like look for when you're picking a new book and or starting a new book? Now, it revolves around uh, world politics, international relations. And I'm also very fond of Noam Chomsky's works. Yeah, I just picked up one of his books. <laughs> yes, yeah. that yeah. was really, uh, you know, very interesting to see a young person mm-hmm. interested in Chomsky's works. I also have a set of his books. And uh, so although that's not related to my teaching, that's not related to research, mm-hmm. which I'm doing these days, but I can't resist Chomsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, any particular of his bo- works that you really enjoyed? Actually, uh, there's so many of them. I don't know which one to pick out as my favorite. Mm-hmm. They're all my favorites. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would like to tell you two more books which are my favorite. Yeah, I wanted uh, to ask you that. Yeah, One is written by Leila Khalid. Mm-hmm. And uh, the title is My People Shall Live. In this book, she's tried to explain how she became a freedom fighter. Oh, that's interesting. Yes, and because uh, Arab society is generally, you know, a bit traditional. Yes. And when this lady wanted to join uh, the movement, her mother said, look, there are so many Palestinian boys. They'll join the movement you can sit at home. And she said that why should we leave, put all the burden on boys? Why can't girls? We are also Palestinians. It's our responsibility too to liberate Palestine. And she, um, that was the first book I got. Uh, This was presented by an Arab friend. Uh, Then when I went on a on an excursion, I go and search bookstalls. <laughs> so when I saw uh, this lady's book, Ghada Karmi, I've met her also. She's a medical doctor. She's Palestinian. Now she's a British citizen, but uh, she went back to Palestine to look for 
you know, the lady who used to look after her in her childhood. Yeah, that's another book that you told me about, yes. In Search of Fatma. In Search of Fatma, yes. And uh, that book also tells us a lot about, um, you know, what is happening in occupied Palestine, also called Israel. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed these two books very much. Yeah, they were very, like, very sentimental and a private, you know, no kind of a story, mm -hmm. very close to the author's heart. And because my area of specialization is also Middle East, so mm. it was, I invited Ghada Karmi to address my students. Actually, when I talked about it, everyone in the university wanted to attend that. We didn't have enough space in my class. Mm. So we had it at the auditorium of Karachi University, which can take 500 people. But there were more than 500 people. Some were sitting on the stairs. Mm -hmm. Some were standing at the... And I think she really enjoyed attending them. Yeah, I mean, of course, you can see how many people were appreciative of her coming and talking to yes. them. Yes. And you know, the person who put me in touch with her was Zubeda Mustafa. She was an ex-student of IR department in Karachi University. Then she worked for Dawn for a very long time. She's retired now, but she's a very active person. Uh, you know, I really admire her courage, her determination. She's everywhere, mashallah, where they are discussing Middle East. Oh, that's really nice. Plus, you also, uh, recently in this podcast, only you told us that you have a book signed by William, the author. Lum, yeah. yeah. How, do you get in, uh, how do you get your hands on that? Actually, what happened was that I used to uh, be invited to a lot of TV programs. So I went to one of them, and uh, there was a Pakistani doctor. I've, uh, his name was, I think, Zulfiqar Ahmed, or I don't remember the full name, but he saw one of my programs, and he learned that I'm from Karachi University, so... Three, four days after that, I received a parcel and a letter in it. I've kept the letter also. It said, you talked about some things, and I want to tell you more cases of that kind. He got that book signed by William Blum, and it was very, I think, heroic of him to pass that book on to me he said, read this. This is what can happen in Pakistan also. So when I read that, it was, and I'm very grateful to him for providing that book. That's it's so full special. of knowledge. That's so yes. special of someone to actually give someone something that means so much to them and they can relate to. Exactly. He's a Pakistani doctor working in the United States. He's equally interested in politics and history. So, Ms. like, uh, right now, not a lot of people, especially young, uh, like my age, or maybe young teenagers, us millennials, as we say, we're not really, uh, we're, like, moving forth from more reading books, and, like, we're more into watching shows and everything, and more with social media. So, what advice would you give us or like something that would make us go back to reading and would make us interested in that? 
I yes, sure. We can cut it and then we can do it again now. You know, this is from Radio Pakistan for my interview, I think, on Kashmir. Oh, okay. I've given many, so... um, I think that I value this thing. Why can't they understand that I'm not free? We'll wait for a few minutes. Yeah. I hope they don't call back again. Yeah. Ha, it's just a f- like two more questions. Maybe just that's it. Uh, I, I value one thing that people want to learn. Young people want to learn. But they mostly go to sources like Wikipedia, other sources. When I see their research papers, they quote all these things. Uh, the only problem with these sources is that they are not there. The authenticity is missing. The material may be good or bad, but the thing is that there is no quality control. So even good matter, good substance does not get the same amount of importance. Whereas when you write a book, it goes through at least two experts. They check that. And if they think that it's worth it, then they advise the publishers to publish it. Those books which are published without this procedure are not counted as good sources of information. Quality control, chances are that there's going to be more quality control uh, when a book is published, though not always. I told you that there are people, publishers, who just publish the book if you give them some money. Mm. But those books will not be valued much. Mm. If a book goes through this uh, scrutiny, then that book will be valuable. Mm. And there is no system of scrutiny, of scrutinizing things on social media, these sources. So I would recommend that uh, books should be given more importance. Uh, Although this is a technological, Mm -hmm. you know, revolution, and the sources which are available, read them when you want. But I think students should give more importance to books, Mm -hmm. especially high-quality books. There are certain publishers who are known. I will not do any... um, you know, advertising for anyone. But uh, there are publishers who enjoy good reputation. One more thing, which I I have read many books which were very, very ordinary. I've read books which were prejudiced, Mm. which were not written with an open mind. So when you read that kind of thing, you do realize, and you can leave it in the middle if you don't like it, But uh, I think reading habit is good. If you form that habit, it will be with you throughout your life. That's very true. Yeah. So, Miss, any book suggestion that you have for me and for the audience? In fact, I would uh, say that you should read uh, My People Shall Live. It's out of print now. You can borrow my book. Okay. Uh, You should read 
In Search of Fatma, you should read these books which I talked about earlier on. And uh, and then I don't know your own interests. Mm-hmm. Every Some of you might be interested in psychology. Some of you might be interested in history. Mm-hmm. So, and I think Noam Chomsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a very interesting thing. Noam Ch- Americans used to send a lot of uh, scholars here. And uh, they never sent Noam Chomsky. Surprisingly, they sent scholars who spoke their language, who gave a very favorable picture about the U.S., but because Chomsky is very critical, Mm. so they never sent Chomsky. But I don't know who did this favor to our country, our um, uh, students. They invited Chomsky, and Chomsky delivered many lectures at more... various, uh, you know, fora. And I heard one of them. I was lucky to get information, and I went there. But there used to be, you know, a crowd standing there. And it was very difficult to gain entrance. But read Chomsky when you get him. Yeah, definitely, for sure. And with that, we'll wrap this up. Thank you so much, Miss, for giving us your time. It was an honor having you. Thank you very much for inviting me, Maha. I really enjoyed uh, being with you all. Yeah. The questions were superb. Thank you. They so uh, reminded me of many things which I have forgotten over mm-hmm. the years, but they all came back to me. Thank you. Of course, Miss. You're welcome. Uh, I hope you all had fun listening to this and I'll see you next time. Bye.